all the games I used to play in my younger wilder days. The game of clubs and tees it never crossed my mind. But after some discussion with my closest, dearest friends, I decided. Welcome into another episode of the Turn Fantasy Golf Podcast. I'm Andrew Putters. I'm here with my partner in crime, as always, lead golf editor at rotoballer.com, doing nicely. And another special guest again. We got we're on a little we're on a little streak here. Spencer Aguiar, Helen from Las Vegas, Nevada, joining us here on the Turn Fantasy Golf Pod for the, the 149th playing of the Open Championship at Royal St. George's. Guys, how we doing? Uh, Spencer, is it hot in Vegas today? Yeah, it's like 120 degrees here. I've just been staying inside doing all the research for the golf. It's not really worth going outside, but it's always a pleasure to do this show. I always appreciate you guys having me on. So thanks for that. And I'm excited to talk about the Open this week. Absolutely. Joe, you got any specials for the Open for rotoballer.com? Yeah, man, we, we always got some stuff going over there. We hope you'll go to rotoballer.com and check it out. Um, you can check out my DraftKings Core 4 every week. Um, Spencer's Vegas report is over there. Um, our buddy Josh Bennett does an amazing hole-by-hole uh, -hole course breakdown. Uh, we got Andy Lack on the team. He, he's got a really cool tournament preview over there. So we hope you'll go over there and sign up. Um, you can use promo code NICE, N-I-C-E, when you do, and get a discount. There you go, promo code NICE when you're signing up for rotoballer.com, number one place in the world for your daily fantasy needs. And, guys, as always, if you're liking what you're hearing, wherever it is you're watching this, wherever it is you're listening, hit the like button, hit the subscribe. Do that right now, right now for us. When we post it, please share it with your friends. It really helps us out. So, uh, recapping last week, John Deere Classic, the forgettable John Deere Classic. First of all, how was it not a big, bigger subject that Steve Stricker was sitting out of the U.S. Open to play in the John Deere Classic? I mean, how is that not a bigger story, guys? Um, is there anything written up about that? Anybody see anything about that this week, past week? I haven't. Uh, I, I just, I just seen that he that that's what he was going to do. Um, didn't really hear why. Um, maybe it's to, uh, kind of get a look at some Ryder cup guys. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I did see that AP pretty wild, pretty wild. Uh, Lucas clever, 19 under wins by two shots, which makes me want to forget this tournament even more. Um, I know Joe did not, Joe will never have Lucas Glover on the card. He's on what, what we like to call in our little fantasy league. He's on what we like to call the list. Once you're on the list, it's hard to come off. Uh, when when Lucas Glover and Kevin Ma are getting a lot of TV time, it's probably not a great great day for old Team Jay Nice. Jay Nice will be hitting the Netflix up whenever those two are at the top of the leaderboard. Um, and and just watching Mav McNeely make pars, grinding out pars. That's right. That's right. Um, we had like a little little friendly competition within the Rotoballer team on their one and done last week. Uh, and Joe took that home with uh, his one and done pick. And I'm just amazed that we hadn't thought it's taken this, this long to, to, to figure this out guys. Uh, this is uh, that I was more intent on <laughs> grinding this thing out than I have any, any term of this, this year, just because that little friendly competition we have within our group text. And, uh, I hope we can do it going forward, but, uh, still a little shocked at how good Spencer is on the one and done. And he went with the forgettable can't put a lick Aaron wise. Uh, that was horrible. That was just an absolutely <laughs> terrible performance from Wise. And, you know, I've been having good success this year in the one and done contest that we've been playing. And then the first week we put money on it, Wise decides to play the weekend like 
I don't even know what he finished during the weekend, but he was over par, which I mean, it's the, one of the easiest courses on tour. And I joked about it with Joe. Like, I mean, I don't know how Joe's week exactly went, but I saw that he played in some contest for $5 with winner take goals. He won that. He won the one and done with us for $5 for each one of us on that. So I'm under the assumption he just took $5 from everybody from the industry this week, which uh, I, I guess it adds up to a certain extent with it. But it was a forgettable week for Wise. That was some of the worst putting I've ever seen. Like I've had a bad run in this contest over two or three years span where I feel like my guys aren't the greatest putters the week that I take them. But Wise might have been the worst I've ever seen. Like he was just losing three shots every single day. Yeah, so I remember when you were filling in for Joe a few weeks ago, you told me that Wise grades out great on just nearly every week. Is that because week in, week out, he's hitting the ball very solid and just never gets the putter going? Is that why, Spencer? Yeah, and I don't use much uh, putting into – like, I did incorporate some putting last week, which I guess I should have looked a little bit deeper into my model because when I looked at some of the weighted proximity and the putt ranges that I thought he was going to have uh, distances from – he was outside the top 60 for me. So I guess that was something I should have looked into a little bit more, but to the point that you just said, that's pretty much what it comes up to. I'm looking for ball strikers, guys that hit a lot of greens and regulation wise is a guy who fits that. And I really liked wise for an event like that. Like anytime you get these TPC properties, you know, you kind of see the same names pop up on top of the leaderboard and wise is a member of TPC Summerlin out here in Las Vegas. So I know I knew that it was going to be a course that should suit his eye and an event that he should be able to find success at. And you kind of saw the upside of what he could be on Friday when he ended up making the cut out of nowhere. But the other three rounds were just horrible. And uh, unfortunately, I don't know what I got for a pace scale, but I know it made both of you guys a lot closer to my total that I have right now. So it's going to be a fight to the finish here at the end. Yeah. So I think we've uh, touched on the John Deere classic and. <laughs> Kevin, uh, Glover. Welcome to the welcome to the John Deere Classic uh, Hour Special. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, he, Lucas Glover had something uh, like something about slow play, like a quote or something like all you can do is just sit there and watch. And I had a tweet typed out a response about kind of like watching your ex-wife and ex-mother-in-law talk post dinner, have post post dinner talks when you're down in Florida. But I decided to delete that. I thought that was a little classless on my part, but. Anyway, let's move on to the 149th playing of the Open Championship. Like I said, Royal St. George's uh, is uh, where it's at golf club this this year in Sandwich, Kent, England. Um, there are um, one there. There's really no active players that have uh, really no no overall active players that won here. Darren Clark, Ben Curtis, uh, Greg Norman, Sandy Lyle are the only, I guess, winners on this actual track that are still alive. Um, you know, I don't even know if any of those are in the field, and it really don't matter, but uh, those names, because um, they haven't been relevant in a, quite some time. But um, so, you know, you know, obviously the Open Championship canceled last year, um, and uh, Royal St. George's this year, uh, $11.5 million purse, $2,070,000 000 to the winner, this golf course is, just, you know, there's not really much to talk about really when it comes to the golf course, guys. Um, standard links, you know, roughly 7,200 yards, par 70. Um, what I can remember about, what I can remember about Darren Clark's victory is I watched, I believe, on Sunday about every shot, and it was just a lot of fairways and a lot of greens and a lot of two putts. Um, 
Correct me if I'm wrong on that. Does, does that ring a bell for anybody or does anybody have anything they want to add about this golf course? No, I mean, I think that that's essentially where I'm going to be tuning in a lot of my research this week. I want guys that are total drivers. I want guys that are going to be able to have good short games. Uh, you know, one of the things that I do want to point out more so than most week is it's going to be important to stay on top of lineups because of the potential for weather bias. You know, Joe and I talked about this a little bit uh, before we went on air. Right now, it doesn't seem to be big weather splits, but you never know. It's a coastal course. Those things can turn on a dime with it. Wind does come from an awkward direction here, and it does seem like morning waves are typically calmer. So if you're playing showdown, you might want to look at the guys that are teeing off earlier. We have extremely wide fairways here for the most part. That's going to offer forgiveness off the tee, but the cost of missing is going to be extremely penal. I think anytime you find a sand trap, whether that be a fairway bunker or a greenside bunker, it might equate to a stroke penalty for what we're looking at. So I think that's something that we should look at. I mean, in 2011, players only got up and down from greenside bunkers 34% of the time. So guys that can hit a high percentage of greens in regulation, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And uh, just overall total driving, I guess. I mean, that's kind of where the extent of my model looked uh, for players this week. In saying that, do you, do you, do, are we going to put, would you look more towards uh, like shot screen approach or shot screen around the green is going to be more important than shot screen putting this week? Uh, is that fair to say? Uh, the way I did it is, is I put a 20% weight on weighted short game. And that was just essentially an even split between around the green scrambling bogey avoidance and putting from five to 10 feet. Uh, these greens are large. I, I do think three putt avoidance is acceptable also, if you want to look for that, but I felt like I got enough of the putting splits in with five to 10 feet. Like I, I think the greens are so large that you could make an argument one way or another with it. I'm just kind of taking an equal approach with it. And I'm trying to, you know, find guys that are good with their irons that hopefully don't have to scramble as much, but with the wind that comes into play and all of that, like there's going to be potential for carnage. So we could say that the wind isn't as amped up as it normally would be. And it does seem to be calmer, but I want to find guys that aren't going to make big numbers. I think that that's one of the things that can end this tournament really quickly is we can say that this might be an easier open championship than some years because if the weather doesn't get up, but this is probably the most difficult open championship course of the rotation. So when you add all of that into account, it's going to be something to where guys are going to have to not eject. And that's kind of when I built my model this week, I built it with more safety than I ever have before. I looked for course or event history at course history, obviously, as you said, course history is not going to be as relevant um, just because you're not going to have past winners from this event, but event history, current form. I think those two things are really important. And I'm just trying to find guys that are in good form leading into this week. And hopefully I, we can find players that just, uh, you know, pop out in, in that nature. All right, Joe. Um, we heard, Spencer's low down here on, on what he's going with. So, uh, how many lineups are you going to have Lucas Glover in this week? No comment. <laughs> no, let's uh, let's start at the top of the board here. John Rom, Roy McIlroy, Brooks Kepta, DJ Xander. I mean, I can make an argument for all five guys uh, at that 10K and above. Um, you know, I know we're stopping here on Bryson. Bryson's the lowest price versus the field in quite some time. Uh, that could probably be key to we're not really sure where his uh, game's at, where his brain's at, who's carrying the bag. So uh, let's just say Bryson – or let's just say Xander and above. Let's talk there. Let's break down those five first because 
I can see uh, I can make an argument for all five and and uh, you know we might be one major late on Ron, but uh, and and I usually tell talk, say it first. I have a tr- hard time putting him in laps just because maybe don't like him. But where are we going here? This first one is is the tournament go through Brooks again? We we're we gonna say that um, you know if it's big number of avoidance. You know I think Roy said it, or Joe said it well the week after the U.S. Open this past week. You know Brooks makes a ton of pars, hits the driver straight, makes a ton of pars. So. Are we liking are we, who are we liking out of the gun here, Joe? Um, yeah, man. I my eyes immediately go to Brooks. Um, I mean, I think you have to look at John Rom. Um, he's in a very, very nice groove, very impressive play. Uh, won the memorial. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's I think we can all agree on that. He won the memorial. Uh, obviously forced to withdraw because of COVID. Um and then did win the U.S. Open, had a chance to win the Scottish Open last week. So he's uh, undeniably in a good groove, um, very familiar with Link's golf. Um, so there's just a ton to lock about Rom. Very long off the tee, uh, great iron player, um, but he is at the top of the board. Um, I, I think you can you can drop down to Brooks, um, who's played extremely well in Open Championships throughout his career. Um, don't forget, guys, he came up on the Challenge Tour um, in Europe, kind of kind of earned, uh, went through the School of Hard Knocks over there, got very, very familiar with Link's golf while he was over there, and that's reflected in his Open Championship record. Has played very well um, in Opens. Um, I, I love how mentally tough he is. Um, I know what all, everything that Spencer said about all the statistics, and I, I totally think that's all valid, but... I'll probably be putting the least amount of weight into stats um, this week, as I will pretty much any event all year, um, because I think Open Championships, especially at Royal St. George's this week, um, a very difficult golf course, kind of the definition of an old-school open golf course. Um, I I think stats can kind of go out the window a little bit. Um, I'm looking for guys that are mentally tough, guys that can handle Open Championships, guys that have performed well over their career at Open Championships. Um, and that just leads me to Brooks Kepka. Um, obviously Rory, um, has played well in opens. Um, but I, I'm not sure where he is right now after his performances in the Irish open and the Scottish open, um, DJ, I, I've wanted to try to jump on that train and maybe kind of, kind of catch him on the way back up. Um, he obviously played very well here in 2011, uh, kind of fought to the bitter end with Darren Clark. So, I mean, he can certainly play well here and the same can be said for Xander, um, who, who's just unbelievably consistent in major championships. But if I'm picking one up there, guys, um, you know, with all, all due respect to John Rahm, I'm probably going with Brooks. I, I, I really feel like this one might be his to lose. Yeah, and you said an interesting thing, Joe, at the start of it. Like, when we're talking about statistical data, like, I think it's very important, and I'm somebody that overly weighs stats, probably more so than most people. But even given all that information – I'm 10% less on a weight standpoint of stats that I use this week. This is the least amount of stats weight I've ever put into a model before. So I think that a lot of what you just said makes uh, complete sense. I think like the current form, the event history, there's certain dynamics I'm going to be looking for from a statistical perspective with it, but I'm not getting overly caught up with, with where somebody is from a statistical perspective. And, and Andrew, I think you brought up a good point also where, I think you can make an argument for all five of these guys. I just think it depends on what you're looking for this week. You know, you take a guy like Rom. I think the biggest hole you can poke in his chances is that he only has posted one top 40 finish at the open championship in four tries. 
but it did come in the last iteration of the tournament and resulted in eighth place result. We know he's hotter than anybody else right now in the world. I think you could be making an argument that you're chasing another major and we might've missed it. And all of that is prudent points to be made. He's going to be 15% owned. You can drop down in price. I, I don't think that like his win equity is so extreme this week to where I thought it was at the U S open. So I think you could avoid him, but I do think from an overall level of safety, he's a good pick. I mean, if you're going to give me one guy that I'm a little bit lower on than everybody else, it's probably Rory. He's probably technically my least favorite play, but three top fives at the open championship in the last four years, from a statistical perspective, if we are talking about stats, he is the worst one for me. I kind of doubled down on what Joe just said about Brooks Kepka. He has European tour ties with how he came up really good bogey avoidance player. It always seems like in these major championships, he's making these putts from five to 10 feet to salvage par. Uh, the one guy that I do kind of want to talk about is Dustin Johnson. And it's not even so much that I like Dustin from a statistical perspective, because he does great as a negative value play for my model. But if you're going to give me a 6% own version of him, like I am tempted to be overweight to the field on him. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed, and I tweeted this a couple weeks ago, is the par 70 or par 72 scoring, sorry, is where he's been having his problems. And the majority of that is coming from par five scoring. When we look at what he's done over the last four years, 55% birdie or better ranked in 2018, 51% in 2019, 50% in 2020. So we've seen a decline every single year. But when we look at what he's done this year, 44%, I mean, he's 11% off of where he's been. And if you're going to tell me that he gets two less par fives, I don't know if this is technically the right course for him still, but I think Dustin makes a lot of sense if you're trying to leverage ownership in these millionaire maker tournaments. And then Xander's just safe. Like Xander's going to be him or Kepka, probably the most popular play up in this section, but three top twenties in his three appearances. I think it makes sense for why 10,000 people are dropping down there. I probably prefer him from a cash game perspective than anything else, but I do think you can find holes and upside for all five of these players. Okay, guys. Um, now on, you know, I, I feel like we're going to blow right past DeChambeau, but I mean, JT um, is $300 more than Ustazen. Ustazen is what we've said before, uh, a, a big time major championship player. This is such an interesting range, 99 to 9,000. You've got, right, let's just throw in Cantlay there too, because I feel like he's in the same ballpark. So 89 to 99, you got DeChambeau, JT, Uzi, Morikawa, who's the king of bogey avoidance, Hovland, who, who was the king of a bogey avoidance till he, till he got some sand or something in his eye. Uh, by the way, Joe, funniest thing ever was that I thought was that whenever you posted the picture of, of Hovland with the patch on his eye and somebody thought it was you, <laughs> they're like, man, I hope you had an okay weekend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Terrell Hatton, 9,000. Patrick Cantlay, 8,900. I love Cantlay in this, in this, in this event. I love more cow in this event. Um, not anything from their history, but just the way their game is with what we're already talking about the, about the, um, about the bogey avoidance. And of course I left out one that does not need, I mean, a guy that needs no introduction, uh, Jordan Spieth. So, uh, you know what, four major championships are now. So, or has he got three, three or four? Who's he got, Joe? He's got three. Three three major championships, three different 
styles of major championship golf. So that's right. Yeah, he had he had the Masters won a second time and dumped yeah, it in the we, water. Three and a half. We'll call we'll call yeah. it three and a half. So, guys, um, you know where are we going on this range? Uh, once again, you know, talent wise, I I can make an argument for everybody. Um, I'm leaning towards uh, this most talented group ever. I just think Jordan Spieth has a little bit more gutsy in him than all these guys, but love can't lay in more cow. Go ahead, Spencer. Yeah, so I, I ran a model at the start of the season in January. I was trying to look at all four majors, trying to figure out where I could find some. And, and the thing is with the, with all of this, the Open Championship is probably the least tournament that you want to be making your bets beforehand just because weather can dictate things. But I do think that you can find value by doing that. And Cantley graded as the number one player for me when I did it. And ironically, when I ran at this go around, from a statistical perspective, at least, he was the number one player for me also. So I really like Cantley's chances. I think the biggest hole that you could poke into him is that this will just be his third open championship. I know a lot of these guys need a little bit more experience to win these things. My counter argument to that is he's 29 years old. He's not one of these guys that is some 22-year-old kid at this point. I think he's experienced. I think he has worldwide experience. I think his game is perfectly suited to play in the wind, perfectly suited to avoid bogeys. I, I'm going to be extremely overweight with him in all markets. So he might be my favorite play on the board of any single player. I don't want to completely brush over Bryson DeChambeau just because if he's 3% owned, I mean, like at least we know we have win equity from him. And I'm not saying that Bryson always makes the right strategical decision, but he is a strategical golfer that goes with something he believes in. And when it works like it worked at the U S open, he laps the field when it doesn't work. He has the propensity to not want to, you know, or he kind of doesn't change up from what he's doing. And then you see these random implosions. So, you know, I, I guess like the way I'm trying to say it is if you're in a millionaire maker, I'm not going to blame anybody for playing DeChambeau. He is the worst person, $9,000 or above on an overall rank. I think that's worth something, but I'm not a believer that he can't be good at the open championship. He's going to be trying to drive a lot of these par four greens if it works, at least he has the win equity from it. And, you know, this is more so for people building 150 lineups. Like you build five lineups out of 150 and you're pretty much at market weight there. So it doesn't take very much to be overweight on him. Not that I'm advocating somebody to go way overweight. I just wanted to point that out. I agree, Spieth, from a cre creativity standpoint, this is about as good. Like open championships are a perfect suit for him. I think Thomas is another guy also, if we're just talking about, Players that can make birdies, if this isn't as severe in the wind, we know his irons are really good. I'm not a believer that he can't be a good open championship player. I'm kind of more interested to see where his ownership goes. And then uh, Morikawa is the interesting one to me because, as I was saying with Cantley, a lot of these guys need a couple years to maybe, you know, win the tournament. But if we're going to go with this narrative that, you know, maybe – and maybe Morikawa can't win. Maybe he can. I don't want to go, you know, on, a, on the ledge either way with it. But Morikawa is a guy, if he's going to be less than 10% owned and at $9,200, he doesn't necessarily need to win the tournament. So I think there's good value for him if you're trying to be contrarian in this range. And, um, you know, Hatton is a guy who's arguably one of the links, best links players in the world. He has two Alfred Dunhill championships that he's won. Uh, this would seem to be a good fit for him. So this $9,000 range or even the 8,900 range, if we want to look at that, is a very robust region for me. Uh, Joe, what are you thinking about this range? <clears throat> yeah, man, really, really interesting range. Um, 
I'm crossing Bryson off. Um, I just, I don't love him in open championships anyway. Um, I feel like, I feel like it's like taking a ball of water and, and pouring it on your MacBook. I feel like he just shorts out there. There's too much info coming in. Uh, we also take into account that he's, he's down, uh, his longtime caddy. Um, and you know, I, th- I think you gotta, you gotta make some stands up here and he's just a guy I'm crossing off the list and, and I'll, I'll live. If he beats me, I'll live with it. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on Bryson. Um, Jordan's my favorite play in the nine K range. Um, was looking at this tournament, looking at this event, um, kind of before pricing come up, uh, last week and, and, uh, I kind of decided in my head that Jordan Spieth was, was my favorite player on the board. Uh, then pricing comes up, uh, sub 10 K price tag. And we're, we're, it's like we're right back to the masters. His ownership is going to be massive. Um, I mean, I think you're, you're talking 25 plus percent probably. Um, that's the only thing that scares me if it weren't for ownership, if I were, if I were blind to ownership, um, I would say that Spieth would be my favorite play on the board, but he, he is going to be super popular. So it's kind of like we've talked about with him before in the past. Um, you know, you might want to take a stance as far as going underweight or, or overweight, but I, I love him on this golf course. Um, statistically he's unbelievably strong, um, has been since Phoenix when he kind of went on that run, he really hasn't looked back. Um, has played extremely well, gain strokes, tee to green in every single start since that Phoenix open. Um, obviously has an open championship win on his resume has played really well. Uh, Spencer mentioned the creativity. Um, I think controlling your golf ball is going to be very important this week, guys. I think creativity around the green is going to be very important and speed checks all those boxes for me. So love him. Um, same can be said for Louie, who I feel like is just a, uh, we've, we've said it on here before for some of the other majors, he's just almost an auto play at this point. Um, and, and even though his prices went up, uh, to 9,300. I don't think that's enough to throw me off him. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still very interested in Louie. Um, JT and Morikawa and even Hovland to a little bit lesser extent are interesting to me if the weather is going to be pretty benign, <clears throat> kind of like we're kind of like we're expecting, um, because these guys are just unbelievable ball strikers that maybe you would knock down a notch if the weather was going to be nasty. Um, if we're going to have a ton of rain, ton of just nasty conditions. Um, but with it expected to be fairly mild, um, I, I think they're interesting pivots from kind of a popular Jordan, popular Louie um, in, in this range because they are such good ball strikers. So, you know, with the weather expected to be what it is, um, you know, it's tough to ignore a $9,600 JT and a $9,200 Morikawa. Um, even though Morikawa doesn't have that experience, but, but JT is very, very dangerous. Um, really hadn't put anything together since the players, but he hasn't gained one stroke putting and one stroke on approach in any start since the players. And you feel like eventually, um, things are going to click. He's going to have both the irons and the putter going. And when that happens, guys, just just look out. Um, don't know that it'll be this week, but I I feel JT's really dangerous. Um, Hatton Spencer mentioned is a great links player. Um, this is a type of golf course that he can win on that he's very familiar with. Um, and can't lay, man. Um, it's just tough for me to trust him. I hear what Spencer's saying. Um, I almost equate him to like a, a, a little bit cheaper Xander Shoffley as far as just how consistent he is really good all around player. I think he can handle any conditions that are thrown at him this week. 
Um, so he's a fine play at 8,900, but I probably won't, <clears throat> probably won't be making him as big a priority as Spencer is. Yeah. And as I feel like as we keep on going down the price scale, uh, it's just, you know, the decisions are going to get tougher and tougher. If you look in the 8k range, uh, taking, uh, Cantley out of that. I mean, you know, Reed, Casey, Zalatoris, Finau, Simpson, Schaffler, or, uh, Scheffler, Scott, Rose, Fleetwood. I mean, just gonna it, it brings up more and more questions. So, um, guys, start you, Joe. You start. Where are you hitting uh, on this price range? Um, I love Patrick Reed here. Uh, I really do. He kind of falls in that that Louie, that Spieth, that Brooks, that mentally tough um, kind of department for me. Um, I feel like this is the type of championship where he can handle any kind of conditions that come his way. Um, he, he's going to hang in there. He's going to grind. Um, he can also be explosive. You know, if we feel like this is going to be a little bit easier test than we've seen in the past at Royal St. George's, um, Reed can make birdies with the best of them. Um, so really like Reed, he sticks out to me at 8,800. Casey, we know how solid he is, um, how solid he's been this season. Um, so he's tough to ignore. His open championship record isn't really as good as you might think it would be. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm maybe a little bit lower on Paul Casey than than, than most. Um, and, and those next three, man, are, are guys that we love to play. Willie Z, Tony Finau, Webb Simpson. Uh, you know, and under, under any other circumstances we would be knocking each other over to roster them at these prices 8500 8400 8300 um but but none of the three have looked great um as of late webb has missed some cuts tony's missed a couple cuts and lost strokes t to green in each of his last two starts uh willie z didn't make a didn't make a birdie at the u.s open missing the cut um look look solid at the scottish last week but he's also making his open championship debut um, so while those are normally guys that I would be big on, especially at this price, I'm a little reluctant this week. I, I, Miles almost go down to Scotty Scheffler and Adam Scott. Um, Scheffler's making his Open Championship debut, um, but I love his upside, man. And when you start digging in his major championship record, this this kid is is one that's going to play his best in the biggest events. It feels like. And Adam Scott, we know what kind of Open Championship record he's got. I uh, wrote him up in this week's Horse for the Course. The course history, the event history is just amazing. Um, has played solid his last few times out. The ball striking hasn't been where it, it normally is for him. Um, but I love that experience. Um, love what he brings to the table. He's he's just a classy all-around player. Yeah, and like Joe, when we look at Adam Scott, it's you know, one of the things that I notice with him, because we're kind of living in like a bizarre world with him right now where the ball striking is not very good, but the putting continues to be very good. And that's not something that I am always looking to rely on. I think that's a danger thing, but at an open championship, if Scott can get hot, like there's a lot to like about his game. If the ball striking returns and the putter stays where it is. So, you know, as a 7% golfer, I think he's somebody that does make a lot of sense down there. I'm probably lower on, I mean, take any of the European guys in this range. I'm probably lower on each one of them. As you mentioned with Casey, the open championship resume doesn't look quite as good as you would anticipate it being. The other thing with it too, he's $8,600. This isn't like the $7,700 version that we're getting at him during these other majors. So $1,000 more will come into play when we're trying to just look at 
the upside that he possesses. I mean, my model likes him fine. He's 15th overall, but he's not going to be a priority priority for me either. Patrick Reed's a guy, you know, he's turned in four top 28 finishes in the last five years at this tournament. He enters the week having quietly produced six top 32s over his last seven starts. I think you could make an argument that he has the best short game in the world. I, I think there's a reason why he's going to be 15% owned. I think his upside is the potential to win this tournament. I think that's something you always have to look at. And then to me, the real questionable range that I kind of keep finding myself not knowing what to do with is the Finau Simpson uh, twosome there. Like Simpson, for me, you would think that this is a perfect course for him. You should think that his short game is bogey avoidance and all those things will be good. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know if there's something else that's coming into play with him, but a couple miscuts in a row, even before that, not really producing that many good finishes. And, you know, maybe a guy like Finau at $8,400. And I know upside's a weird word to use for him because we don't think of Finau upside to win the tournament. But when we can get a guy that's been a top 10 producer at this tournament over the years, like I think there's enough hope for him to turn it around and at less than 10%, you know, he gives you a top 10 finish and you pair him with a guy like Spieth. That's enough to get your lineup started if Spieth wins the tournament and you have Finau in the top 10. So I'm not going to be writing Finau off. I, I'm a little bit more hesitant on what to do with Zalatoris. I think that the form has really turned around on him recently. And I guess just to go with what Joe said about Scheffler, Scheffler is an amazing, immaculate ball striker. This seems to be a good course for him. We know he's a good win player from being from Texas. So I don't think that that's going to cause a problem for him going to be popular but i think it's understandable as to why he is yeah i feel like his short game is really underrated spencer uh scotty scheffler i think he's got an underrated short game and can get really hot with the putter um and to kind of circle back to what you're saying about webb i don't know that webb's been right um since he withdrew from the wells fargo honestly um i know he's lost strokes t to green in each of his last two starts so i'm with you i don't know if he's hurt i'm not sure what's going on there but he just hadn't seemed right uh, as of late. Tony Fina also lost strokes to Green each of his last two starts. Um, so, you know, his his Open Championship record is tremendous. Um, he's a guy that I was all over going into the U.S. Open at Torrey. Um, we know what his course history was there, and he looked awful, um, and has looked awful since. And Willie Z, 116th in this field in strokes gained approach over his last 12 rounds. So the, the ball striking is definitely uh, – took took a turn in the wrong direction for Zalatoris. Yeah, and I, I think we see that with the ownership with Zalatoris. Like, that's not necessarily a spot that I'm looking to play him and to pivot on. Like, I'd rather just – if I'm going to take a shot with somebody that doesn't look good lately, I, I'd rather do it with Finau and, uh, you know, these guys that just have yeah. a little bit more complete games. Yeah, and a, and a little bit of experience, right? I mean, of course, uh, yeah. you know, Willie Z is making his Open Championship debut this week. Um so, you know, any, you know, popping out at sub 5% ownership, you kind of are automatically interested in GPPs, but uh, that, that's really interesting range right there. Uh, great prices on, on uh, players with great pedigrees, but have just been in really bad form lately. Yeah. And a guy like Simpson, it's just, it's like tough to figure out what to do with it because if injury is in play, and as you said, he hasn't looked right since he pulled out of the tournament. And if he's hurt, like this isn't going to change. So you're kind of, throwing a dart at a board and hoping to get lucky that he's not hurt. So I wouldn't blame people for not wanting to put him into a lineup for that reason. Yeah. So, uh, you know, moving on guys, this is where the spot in the DFS price range that all majors are won and lost the seven K range. 
we got to find two to three guys here that's going to sneak up in the top 10 guys if you're wanting to take down a massive GPP tournament. And there is so much talent here. I mean, we could go, we could go on for a while on this one. Um, Cam Smith, Neiman, Daniel Berger's ton of talent, not very good in, in the Open Championship. Lee Westwood has great pe- uh, history. Sergio Garcia has great history. We think Jason Day is somewhere in Europe. We're not sure. Uh, um, <laughs> Woodland hits the ball straight if he starts hitting greens. Uh, Ricky Fowler, is he back? Who knows? English tons of t- got, uh, you know, Class A talent. Co-cracks, bogey avoidance is great. Um, Alex Norton has played great as well. Blake, you can never count out Malinari on a course where, you know, bogey points is a big deal. Corey Connors, Ryan Harmon got tons of talent. Guys, where are we going in the 7K range? I threw so many names out there. Uh, I'll go ahead and tell you a couple names I'm landing on quickly in this range. That's Alex Norton, Co-Crack, and Molinari. Go ahead, Joe. Um, Yeah, man. Um, As you said, this is kind of – this is kind of where the sausage is made and, and these majors, um, in this seven K range, this, this can, uh, be the difference in winning the Millie maker and, and, uh, losing all your money for the week. Um, really like Shane Lowry. Uh, I've been on him lately and, and he's played well, he's paid off. He's coming in with a, a just under eight K price tag there at 7,900. Um, obviously he's been the defending open champion for about a decade now, but, uh, really like Lowry. I like where his game is. Um, I, I like, like how this golf course sets up for him. Um, really good short game. His irons have been firing. So like Shane Lowry and surprisingly, I kind of like the lower seven K's like from 75 down, um, more than the upper seven K's, um, outside of Lowry. I don't know that I love anyone in that range. Neiman um, is interesting to me. Uh, he is a low ball hitter, and he does have a ton of distance off the tee. Uh, two things that I think will help him this week. Uh, we've talked about in the past, sometimes that low ball flight hurts him, but you know any any type of windy conditions, I think that's going to help. Um, he's got a, got a legendary stinger shot off the tee that he'll probably be deploying this week but doesn't have a ton of open championship experience that's the only knock i've got on neiman um answer is interesting as well but it hasn't played well to this point in opens uh you mentioned westwood with his pedigree and then daniel Berger, man just just way too cheap um you know i'm sure that's going to shoot his ownership up spencer can maybe fill us in on kind of what that's looking like at this point in the week but at 7400 I'll I'll just be falling for it. Um, I definitely have some Daniel Berger in my rosters at seventy four. I like Bazadenhout, like his short game. Really like Robert McIntyre. Um, he's kind of an underrated player. I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards Harris English down here. Ricky Fowler is probably going to get some love. Um, but uh, Bazadenhout and McIntyre, these are international players that have lots of links experience, and I think you can hop on these guys. Probably grab them sub ten percent ownership. Uh, really interesting pivots down here. Brandon Grace um, is one of my top options in this range as well. Uh, we know what he's capable of in major championships. He was kind of a perennial major contender for years. Fell off the map. He's back. Like where his game is. Also another low ball hitter. Plays great in the wind. Um, and I think you mentioned Andrew Alex Norin, a guy that's flashed a little bit of form here lately in the States. 
and has a tremendous open championship record. So I, I love this low 7K range. I feel like there's a lot of places you can go down here. Um, and it lets you kind of go wild up at the top. You can just stack two or three of these guys in there and then go shopping up top. Um, tell me what you're thinking, Spencer. Um, am, I, am I off base down here? There's another couple guys, even as we go on down. Uh, Guido Migliozzi, I think you can look at, and, and a little sneaky play there, AP, that you like, Brant Stadiker. He's always a guy you want to look at in opens and in the wind. Yeah, you know, if we can – when you look at this tournament and it's kind of what you just said – if you take, if you start and you want to build three guys up top, like pricing is so soft for an event like this, you can find a bunch of guys under $7,500 and all of a sudden it looks like you have the greatest lineup ever built. You know, I, I think there's a lot of value to be had. I'll run down this board kind of with some of the guys I like this week. Um, you know, a guy like Shane Lowry, Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, all those guys for me are, are I think players that make sense for an open championship. We saw Leishman storming up the board at the Travelers Championship where he came third there. I think Cameron Smith and Shane Lowry have the short games that can find success at an Open Championship. The best player in this tournament is Jason Day at $7,700. Like, I know I make this joke every single week with Jason Day, and a lot of times it's just for the humor of it. I actually really like Jason Day this week. Like, he's eighth in my model from an overall rank. He's the highest person in this range. His open championship pedigree is good. His current form looks good. The ownership's only going to be at about 8% right now. I think that's more than a reasonable total when you're looking at that. Sergio Garcia at $7,600. He has 10 top 10s and 23 open championship appearances. I don't think people have realized how good he's actually been at this tournament historically. So I think he makes some sense as a 5% ownership guy, but for the most part, a lot of these guys that I'm looking at will be lower than $7,500. I think, as you mentioned with Berger, 7,400, he's only about 11% owned. He's in the top five for me from a statistical perspective. Like he's getting brought down because of the open championship history he has. The current form leaves a little bit to be desired. I mean, he has the seventh at the U.S. Open. He has a couple erratic finishes the 75th at the PGA championship, you could point to the 34th at the John Deere as the favorite. I'm just going to consider that being something he was maybe looking ahead for the open championship, but that price is just too cheap. I think a guy like Christian Bezaden out his short game works for a test like this. Molinari has is a proven winner here. Ownership is going the flock to Harris English. As you said, uh, the current form just looks so great. Fowler's a guy that, you know, if there was a major that you said he was going to win back in the day, probably would have been the Masters or the Open Championship. And I think, you know, six here in 2019, the form looks a little bit better with a 32nd at the Rocket Mortgage and 11th at the Memorial. That's somebody I'm giving a look to. And then if we're just looking for some, you know, South Africans, Europeans, some guys that are a little bit more in that elk of it, Brandon Grace, 7,200, Alex Noren, 7,200. Uh, I think Guido was a really good call from Joe at 7,100. He's going to be popular. I don't really know what to expect from him, but current form looks really good. And I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I think you could make an argument for Eric Van Royen, um, but that's pretty much where I'm at in the $7,000 range. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm about the same as far as there's just so many names you like in here. Um, but sub seven, man, it's really, really, really hard. It's really gonna, it's really gonna be hard to find somebody that you trust sub seven. Which I know it's, that's that's pretty much every week. But with the dynamics of this tournament, 
you know, you're looking for grinders, driving the ball well, putt the ball well, or bogey avoidant. So, in a way, is the Open Championship, and I understand GPPs is always going to be a different uh, style than cash games, but what we're going to be looking more towards a, a cash game style of player uh, in DFS coming down here in the 69. Um, so, you know, I'll throw out – as crazy as this sounds, Padraig Harrington is probably going to be a pretty good play this weekend. You show, show, saw him at the PJ Championship finish pretty high, and he's got a lot of uh, um, grind in him. He, 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 you know, takes the tournament very seriously. Stuart Sink, same, uh, you know, vet that is going to be grinding it out. Coming down through here, though, I'm really, really struggling uh, to find people I trust, like I said. Don't want to say Lucas Glover's name out loud, but he hits the ball well. He makes a lot of pars. Charlie Hoffman I like. Um, and, and even getting in the way, way out, uh, you know, Jimmy Walker, Kevin Mitchell. Don't hate those guys. Don't love them either. But in this particular tournament, I would give them a look over others. Really, really try to find a way to find Chris Kurt because, um, you know, far as price range, this is – this is like you should be licking your trops getting him down here in the 6,400. But I mean, this guy, of course, just does not sound set up for well for him. So, Spencer, go ahead and start with this in the top of the 6K range and, and read off a few players that you, you're looking at. Yeah, and I think you brought up a good point with it. Like, I, I'm not in love with this range in general either. Like, I, I'd rather try to build uh, – flat is the wrong word because I think that – it's flat in the sense that pricing is so soft. So you get a guy like, like to me, Patrick can't lay at $8,900, Patrick Reed at $8,800. These are guys that, I mean, you could start a lineup with like speed can't lay and read and you have so much money on the table that you can just, you know, finish it off with guys in the eights and the $7,000 range. And you can even start with guys in the $10,000 range and go that route. So I don't think that you're necessarily needing to come down the $6,000 section. I think you lose a lot of the win equity when you do it. And I think with the pricing being as soft as it is, you do open up a can of worms to an extent with it. There are a couple of guys I do believe have some upside to them more so than their counterparts. I think Stuart Sink at 6,900, he's going to be very popular, but I think he does have a game that suits his course well. Kevin Kisner for me at 6,900, Matt Jones at 6,800. You mentioned Charlie Hoffman at 6,700. That's a guy I like a bit myself. Uh, Joel Dahman, I don't really know. My model really likes him at 6,700. I'm going to do a little deeper diving on him, but he was a guy that showed up as one of the better values. Uh, I guess if I'm going to be a guest on the show, I won't mention Glover's name and go in depth about him with it, but was a guy that showed up as value. And then Taylor Gooch, Carlos Ortiz, maybe a Chan Kim. Uh, you could make an argument that Sam Burns is the most wildly mispriced guy at 6,300, but I'm also a little bit concerned that that might be a trap at the end of the day. Like, I want to see where his ownership is before I go there with it, because I don't know what his upside is in, is in an open championship at this point, but uh, he was technically the biggest mispriced guy that my model had. Joe, where are you at in the under 6K range, buddy? Yeah, a lot of the same guys that Spencer mentioned um, jump out to me. Stuart Sink, um, as Spencer mentioned, is probably going to be pretty popular, but I, I feel like he's a rock-solid play there at 6,900. Um, he's a veteran, former Open champion, <clears throat> and is playing the best golf he's played in years this year. So I think you can give him a look at 6,900. Feels a little bit underpriced to me there. 
Uh, we've seen Kevin Kisner popping opens before, and he, he's coming in fairly hot. Um, so I think you can give Kiz a look. I'm hoping he wears the 1776 hat again. Uh, Richard Bland, um, another veteran. Uh, guy kind of came out of nowhere. I think he's he's in his mid-40s, um, the Englishman, uh, and, and he's playing really well, and, and this is right down his alley. So I, I'll have some Richard Bland exposure, believe it or not, at 6,800. Um, not 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 the fanciest play in the world. Certainly not the most exciting, but, but hey, experience counts for a lot, and Bland certainly has plenty of it. Uh, Spencer mentioned Sam Burns. Kind of pops out there with Daniel Berger as, as just making you scratch your head with the pricing. I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to grab some burns down there uh, as need be when building GPP lineups. Uh, you know, it really opens a lot to go stars and scrubs. Uh, when you start talking about maybe getting like a Ron Brooks uh, combo up at the top, I feel like that's a spot where you can utilize burns. Uh, and, and just don't overthink it at that price. Take your chances. He's very, very long off the tee. Um, and, and as a good putter, you know, so I don't, I don't mind a bit to go to Sam Burns down there. Um, and other than that, um, not going to be shopping down here a lot, guys. Not a ton sticks out, especially not below Burns. Um, but other than kind of those vets I mentioned, um, not a ton that I love in the 6Ks as of right now. Yeah, and, and Burns, like, he probably should theoretically be priced where Daniel Berger is. And Daniel Berger should theoretically probably be priced where, let's say, like Paul Casey is. So you are getting value on the surface with it. And, you know, and Burns' ownership isn't that extreme. Like, we're still looking at less than 10%. I'm a little bit worried of how his game sets up more so than Berger. I know Berger, we've seen that it hasn't been great historically. I just think he's a better player than he was a couple years ago. And I'm willing to forgive him a little bit more so. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with Burns yet. I, I am going to play Berger, and, and I'm going to live and die by that with it. I just think he's too good to be in that range. Yeah, and and Burns Burns looked pretty good at the Scottish last week. I think he had a top 20 um, and played well at the Travelers, but there's also been some kind of injury issues there. We've seen a WD from him, but 6,300, uh, willing to take a chance there for sure. Yeah, and that's the lowest, as you said, that's the lowest I would go also. Like, if you're dropping lower than $6,300, you're really testing the waters. And you either your model has come up with something that the rest of the industry hasn't, which if you have, go for it. My model has not. Like, everybody lower than Burns is pretty much outside the top 100 for me from a statistical rank. Okay, like every other show that we've ever had or we've had in the last uh, six months anyway, Um Spencer, I'm going to let you start. Where is your dart play and where is your case money heart play? So I think Patrick Cantlay is going to win this event. I think he's going to capture his first major. I like him at a 33 to one bet, 35 to one bet. I think there's value to be had there. I think this is the perfect setup for him to get one done. Um, This is kind of cherry picking a dart play. But let me paint this picture for you with this. So imagine this, 72nd hole, Jason Day sauntering down the fairway. You may call it that he's limping, his back's hurt, but he's slowly moving through the fairway up to the green. Tears are being shed, probably mostly by me at this point. I think Jason Day has a legitimate chance to capture this title. I I know that that's going to be kind of an outlandish statement. It's something that I say all the time with it, but 
I think this is the perfect setup for day. I think anytime you can get these around the green courses where he can do it there, the fairways are a little bit more forgiving. I think that gives a player like Spieth, a player like Day, it makes them a little bit more accessible for a venue like that. So, I mean, it's kind of cherry picking what a dart play is because Day is $7,700, but he is about 90 to one at certain books. Uh, I've seen him as high as 100 to one at some random offshore books, but that's my dart throw, at least from an outright perspective of a guy that I think has a chance. Joe, where you at, buddy? We're going to have to, I know yours not going to be as theatrical as Spencer's, but where you at, Joe? Let me paint you a little picture. <laughs> we were, we were a year ago, we were, we were lost in the wilderness and, and we started, started to see a few cracks of daylight out in Phoenix. And, and we all thought that, that it was going to happen at Augusta. Um, Kiwi couldn't make a putt. Tory Pines was a bad fit. Jordan Spieth is getting another major this week, boys. That's my heart. Um, love his mental toughness. Uh, love his creativity. Love how this golf course sits up for him. Uh, so Jordan Spieth, my heart of the week. My dart. I'm gonna go a little. I'm gonna throw a little international flavor in there, boys. Bobby McIntyre. Bobby Mack. We're going 7,300. Um, big lefty experienced links player really talented guys been hanging around kind of under the radar in majors um so i'm going robert mcintyre as my dart mm. i think you show my stole my thunder a little bit with the jordan speed call i just uh i try to find somebody else i try to make excuses why somebody else is going to win and really the only other person i can see winning i understand the arguments for more cow what can't lay um uh just the way their game set up, but and the only person I can actually make a significant argument for would be Brooks Kepka. I mean, I could see the guy playing like literally and making one bogey for the week if uh, he hits his driver and, and irons well. But and like like Spencer says, it just seems like in these tournaments, Brooks Kepka makes a lot of five, six, eight, twelve foot par putts. I mean, it's like unbelievable. But I'm throwing my heart out on the plate. Jordan Spieth wins his, wins another British Open Championship. I just uh, I agreed. To me, this feels like a little bit like a Pebble Beach has a Pebble Beach vibe to this to this uh, to this Open Championship. Not as many coastal holes, not as many hills, but it definitely has that vibe. So I'm going Jordan Spieth with the victory. Dart's gonna be a little different for me this week, and I'm gonna throw out a couple of names. Um, I, a name that I will be watching out for, and I'm not using this as my dart play, but uh, Scotty Scheffler, I think, is going to make a good showing. And if I was in the neighborhood of betting a top 10, top 20 with some uh, value in it, it's going to be a Ricky Fowler, Alex Norn. I could see both Ricky Fowler and Alex Norn fi finishing in the top 10 this event easily. Ricky's hitting the ball a lot better, and we know the putter is – all world and this is an open championship it is wide enough off the tee that he's not going to make the big number so if he continues to hit his irons pretty well love ricky fowler man i watched the 2015 players were him and sergio and kisner i think it's 15 well they went down to the wire and went to the playoff and then went to the extra hole on the playoff and i, mean, I forgot how good it was whenever he is good um so I guess I guess I'm gonna say heart 
down, you know, the gut, the gut, not the heart, but the the dart play from the from the from three point range from NBA three is going to be uh, Ricky Fowler and Jordan Spieth going to get another major, guys. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that. I mean, I think when you take Spieth and Kepka, I mean those two specifically, this is a really good event for them. I think that it sets up really well for each one of them in different ways. There third and fourth in my model this week can't lay second so I think they're kind of all in that same range for me like it's hard to make an argument against any of them okay guys well man it's been fun Spencer thanks again for coming on man it's starting to become a regular thing Uh, I hope it stays that way Joe hope you're doing well we didn't even talk about any golf over the weekend uh you know um birthday 38 turn 38 over the weekend yeah, happy birthday, buddy. Yeah, ate, ate all kinds. Of, I mean, I'm still suffering from how many calories I had Saturday night at dinner. Um, great seafood place in town. But, uh, yeah, I got out and played in the – on the Congrats on the two-man. Oh, yeah. Knox County two-man. <laughs> Second flight winner, yeah. Um, and, and, and our boys, Peyton and Chase, third flight. Third, third flight. flight. Third one, flight. One below you, right? Third flight sandbaggers. Yeah, and um, – Played in the kids play free uh, benefit tournament today. Saw Scott, talked to him for a bit. Get all of his people out there today. It was pretty fun, except for it being 93 and 100%, 100% humidity. Also, guys, coming up soon, sat down with uh, one of the new barstool athletes, uh, Jonathan, I don't want to get his name wrong, Shusky. Um, uh, he's going to be an incoming freshman, 39 year old incoming freshman at Christian Brothers University. Uh, sat down with him. We got to talk about his story, and uh, it's pretty cool, man. Pretty cool situation, uh, how it all came about, and his his love for golf and and his future uh, playing golf. So uh, that'll drop here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, Spencer, once again, thanks for coming on, Joe. Always a pleasure. Thank you, RotoBaller.com, for everything you do for us. Best place in the world for your daily fantasy needs. Remember, guys, if you're liking what you hear, hit that subscribe, hit the like, share with your friends, and you have listened to the Turn Fantasy Golf Podcast. I've already hit three.